Tales from the East Stand, episode 59. My name is Owen Rice and I'm here with the Prof Carl Riley. Now, you will know, of course, that I'm not the regular host of Tales from the East Stand, so we have to start this episode on a bit of a, a sour note, really. Uh, sorry to report that the Prof and Gary, well, there's been a bit of a falling out, hasn't there? Um, there was an artistic difference over how to repaint Johnny Blues and, uh, well, not to get into it, but uh, Gary has been fired. Uh, it's been an emotional few days for you, Prof. Uh, it's, it's not personal. It's just business. We've decided to take a new direction. Just business, that's it. We're joking, of course. You couldn't separate the Prof from Gary, the, the twig and baker of League of Ireland podcasts. <laughs> uh, Gary is just uh, away for a week, so I'm just uh, stepping in. And, big shoes uh, to feel on. Big shoes, big shoes. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it's a bit like when Pat Kenny finished the late late, isn't it? You're just trying to. You're, 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 I'm in the tuberty role now, just trying to hope everything goes well. Um, I mean, Gary, uh, Gary obviously does a great job, but um, not not very professional going on holiday mid season, though, is it? No, he just sprung this on me a few weeks ago. Yeah, like I mean, who who we put on as guest host? I mean, I I, I don't. He does a good job now, but I, I would question his kind of commitment and his loyalty to the cause, to be honest. But anyway, He's that's nice. That's 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 for you and Gary to uh, to sort out. Um, so we're not in Johnny Blues today, we're in uh, my sitting room instead, a room which has no name as of yet, so maybe that's, uh, if we have to do the substitution role again, we'll have to, to fix that. So we've gone from Johnny Blues bar to the prof's lair to Reuters Refuge. Reuters Refuge, well I like that, yeah. let's, let's, let's go with that. Yeah. You've been on the show twice before Don. That's right, that's uh, right. Episode 27, if anyone wants to go back, that's August 31st last year, lots of talk about Talca Park and your book. That's it. In that interview. And you made a cameo in our end of season special. Did that, I did. That was a very, very enjoyable day, I have to say, up in Johnny Blues. That was a, a long day, but a very enjoyable one. And random question, when can we expect Passive back on the Ultras Forum? Passive, yeah. Passive hasn't been around in a while now, has he? I suppose since everything's migrated onto to Facebook a little bit, which I, to be honest with you, I prefer the forum. I find the Facebook page a little bit... Uh, you know, 17 threads about the one issue and stuff like yeah. that. I know the moderators are trying to get to the bottom of that, but um, yeah, bring bring back the form, I say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so lots to talk about today. We've got to review the Derry game. Uh, we can look ahead to Cork away. Uh, we've also got other bits and pieces, such as the small matter of the World Cup. Um, and then we have an interview with Hoops fan Alan Kinsler, uh, who uh, a lot of people know also uh, has his election literature blog. Uh, and so we'll be talking to Alan about football and politics. Slightly obsessed with that stuff. It is. It's an absolute fantastic hobby, I think. And it's great that he's uh, he's got a lot of recognition, I think, in the last few years. He's got a real cult following online and he's got a bit of media coverage out of it. And it's yeah, great to see I've him. I've noticed his of... blog being mentioned in the paper now and then. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great because he, he's put a lot of work into that. So all that coming up. Um, before we get to the Derry game, though, we thought we might talk about uh, the Nothing Beats Being There video. Um, I got goosebumps from watching that. It was a it was a fantastic video, wasn't it? If anyone hasn't seen it, and I'm sure most people have, but if you haven't, go on the club um, Twitter, Facebook pages, and a fantastic video the club have made, uh, just about the, I suppose the excitement and the passion and the build up to the game. Literally everything before kickoff, yeah. like the end of the video is the kickoff. And that's what I thought was really clever about it, because most yeah. videos are all about, you know, goals going in or, you know, yeah. action on the pitch. But this was actually, the video ends when the game starts, which I thought was a really so clever That was my idea. first thought, actually. It was like, because there's only a few seconds left. I thought, is there not even going to be a football being kicked here? But, yeah. but you're right, it was, it, was, it was different. And I know this is a scary thought, on, but 
Put yourself in the mind of a bar stooler for a moment. What is going through his or her head as they watch this video? I think it registers with them. Well, never try and put, your, put yourself in the mind of a bar stooler, but um, I think it will. I mean, I think it, it gets across that whole idea that, you know, there's more to the league and there's more to go into games than what happens on the pitch. Obviously, what happens on the pitch is very important. But, you know, we all know that, that that's only part of the reason that, that hooked us all in. So um, you'd hope that if people do see that, that, that they'd, it might twig their interest a little bit in it. Mm. Um, and I think in fairness to the club, they've done a lot of interesting things like that over the last couple of years. Um, they're being quite proactive in terms of promoting the matches. I know they're doing regular media days before um, pretty much all the games, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of stuff, I think, is all really important. Something that doesn't happen often enough in the league, uh, in my opinion. Um, I had the uh, misfortune, I suppose you'd call it, of uh, being the, the League of Ireland press officer for four seasons. Um, and uh, something that just I could never get my head around was just the extent to which clubs do not promote themselves in this league, you know. And everyone always goes on about the FAI should do that, the FAI should do this. And a lot of them are very valid points. But I think you've got to look at, well, what are the clubs doing? They've got the primary responsibility to promote their matches you know it, it's it's the attendance is what they rely on for income and I always remember my one of my first well my first day in the job was relegating shells so that was a good day but a few and weeks, your last day my last day was Rovers winning the league in Bray so uh, nice, nice way to bookend a career nice bookend yeah. <laughs> but I remember one of my first early early days uh, I was getting a lot of calls from journalists about you know what pre-season matches were on and uh, I thought you know I'll be proactive here I'll put together a list of of what games are going on so I sent that out to the media and one of the clubs rang going absolutely crazy uh, because they didn't want any promotion of one of their matches they wanted it behind closed doors for some reason Uh, and I think in some ways that kind of summed up the few years for me to be honest trying to promote matches that the clubs fundamentally did not want promoted Um, so so hats off to Rovers for doing things like I don't even know what to say to that but I I saw Daniel McDonald put out a tweet there I think he's over in Russia, isn't he? Yeah. And he was saying he, from afar, he didn't notice much promotion of the games during the summer, even though it provided probably a good opportunity because there was actually a break in the games. Yeah. And then, of course, Roberts jumped on immediately saying, uh, look at our feed for the last week because it's been class. Yeah. How good the other clubs have been, I don't know. I, I haven't paid attention enough, but... Well, that's it. I mean, they're, some are better than others, you know, and... Um... I mean, I always remember with the Farsco situation once I did a press conference trying to promote a Bowes Rovers game uh, in Daily Mount and Bowes wouldn't turn up to the press conference. So you had the Farsco situation of the Rovers manager and captain sitting in the Daily Mount bar trying to promote a Bowes home game. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, now in fairness to Bowes, they, they've done some clever things over the years as well, you know, mm. so not to not to single them out particularly on this instance, but in it fairness, just shows yeah. the attitude, I think. I don't like to give them too much credit, but in no. fairness, they actually released a sticker album this week. Really? I'm actually jealous. Really? A sticker album of Bowes players. Well, I suppose the players are fairly young, so they're probably into it themselves, aren't they? Did you ever do the Panini thing yourself? Oh, I did, I did. I finished World Cup 90 Panini. I finished 94. Uh, and I think I probably did a couple of Premier League seasons in there as well. But I'm not, I can't Scalacci remember. wasn't in the 1991. No, you don't hold a grudge, that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't collecting, I just heard that stat. Like, of all players... Yeah, he was, the, he was yeah. the surprise man that, that, that year, yeah. 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 
Um, the other clever thing I think Rovers did this week uh, to give them a bit of credit for it as well was they um, did the, the crest in the Pride colours uh, for Pride. I thought that was uh, good to see. Um, and, you know, I put up a little thing on Facebook myself talking about just the fact that I don't think, you know, 15 or 20 years ago you would have got that uh, in kind of football clubs, uh, probably anywhere, but, you know, in Ireland as well. And I think it's really good. I think it shows that, uh, you know, the the sort of the homophobia, I think, that was deeply ingrained in football culture, certainly when I started mm. going to games, uh, does seem to have, have gone. Uh, it's not something you really hear uh, in the in the, the terraces or the stands anymore. Um, so I thought that was really good as well. Mm. So um, fair play to Declan Swanton for making that up and for, for Mark or whoever it was for, for putting it out. We're probably still some ways away from a player, a major player in the UK or Ireland openly coming out as a gay player. Yeah. I think I saw yeah. someone there announce it who was in the MLS. That's right, American guy this week. Yeah. 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 But uh, that'll be kind of, I suppose, a big test it when, will. when that happens. It certainly will, yeah. And uh, long overdue, uh, if, you, if you ask me. Yeah. So um, moving on to the game itself, um, the World Cup paused for its mid-tournament League of Ireland break, uh, which was which was nice, uh, very mm-hmm. enjoyable game against Derry. We were in the 1899 uh, sweep beforehand. Um, we were all melting in there. It was. It was very very hot. Um, it <coughs> was always enjoyable in the 1899 sweep. I think it's a fantastic. Uh, facility that the club have, have generated uh, I know Brian Kennedy was doing his his book tour and uh, he was in Tal a few weeks ago and he was saying the match day experience there is the best the most professional and I think that's certainly the case and I don't think like no club can really compete with the, the facilities in the 1899 can they? I don't think so um, and great to see fans really getting behind it as well big crowds in there before every game uh, which is great but yeah the heat the heat of that game we were in the east stand and I tell you Whatever about water breaks on the pitch, there were there were water breaks in the stand as well. Weren't you took one, yeah? I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the hottest I've ever been in in probably the only time I've ever been warm in the East Stand. To be honest, uh, I was kind of expecting mm. the forecast of you know thirty degrees in Glendoran, twenty nine in Dublin Airport, and minus three in the in the, in the East Stand. But no, it was it was very very warm. It's pretty much two times a season. I don't bring a jacket to Tata. Yeah, and that's that was one of them. But yeah, proper summer football. Rovers in the sunshine yeah. in the summertime building out on the PA that's it and hopefully that new stand is uh, coming up and looking well and hopefully that will stop some of that chill factor that we sometimes get what um, colour will the seas be though? well the, the, don't, don't mention the war again although I think everyone got to quite like the multicoloured seas in the end although I, I remember the the pandemonium when that was first uh, announced but uh, it's funny how things just grow on you uh, don't they? I was wearing my uh, 2012 Rovers See It jersey as my tribute to the Stephen Kenny season. Oh, yeah. But uh, jeans were the wrong choice. The jeans were definitely the wrong choice. Um, even even Brazzer was in the black jumper and uh, and jeans. I almost didn't recognise him outside of his, his tracksuit. Yeah, I think it's I think it's professional now when managers, you know, I, I prefer them seeing. I'm more of a three-piece suit man for the managers, I think, you know, rather than the tracksuits. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway. And also, a big moment for me, Oh. I finally had Ray's curry oh, for the first time. Well, yeah. let's let's review that now. Yeah, and the perks of podcast stardom, it was on the house. So all I have to say is, believe the hype. Well, you've, you've made it there, haven't you? Believe the hype. This curry was only gorgeous. Sensational. Well, I'm only a stand-in host, so I don't expect free curries. But uh, <laughs> if there's a vegetarian one going, Ray, you never know. Um, 
2,845 was the official attendance for the game. Uh, what, did you, what did you think of that? Do you think it was good, bad, average? I saw some people complaining about the crowd, but I think that's decent. Uh, Tommy on Facebook made a good point that we played Cork in the middle of the previous World Cup, and we only got about half that crowd. Yeah. So I thought that was a great point. Yeah, and it's one of those days, isn't it, where it's a, it's a perfect evening for football, but I wonder on one hand, does it go against you? Is everyone sitting out in beer gardens or sitting out mm. the back garden? Or is it is it too nice for some people? Uh, yeah. you, you never know how, how it plays out with people. But um, Derry didn't bring a lot with them. I mean, I know they've probably got some Dublin-based fans. Um, Only like a few dozen, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a huge crowd now from Derry. Um, although Ray Whelan posted that video, didn't he, of the the bus full of Derry fans after the game it was broken down and they had to go out and give it a push to get it get it started again which actually is quite sort of symbolic of their season really <laughs> isn't it I don't think it ever did start because someone said they had to send for another one did they yeah so they were trying to push it up the end too substitution bus that's a that's a first Um, what were you writing about in the programme this week well, I was trying to shoehorn as much Brazil references in as I could because remember uh, there was an All-Ireland team that played Brazil in 1973. It was a combination of Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland Nationals. Lost 4-3. Martin O'Neill played. Martin O'Neill did, didn't he? I, I yeah. could be wrong. Did Don Givens play in that one as well? I think he did. I didn't check the full team now. I think he might have been involved in that Giles one. Giles was there. Paddy Mulligan. Yeah. Former Hoop as well. the big names, yeah. And uh, my next article. How many players can you guess have played four Rovers and played at a World Cup Finals? Four Rovers and a World Cup Finals. I'm putting you on the spot here. I'm going to say not many for a start, but I don't <laughs> no, know. Only four. I, I'm surprised it's even that high. Yeah. Are you going to reveal now or, or should people buy the programme? Okay. I'll reveal them now, yeah. So the, the most recent one, Damien Duff. Of course. Played in 2002. Yeah. Had a very short spell with us. Uh, the previous one before that, Joey Doe. He played yeah. all three games for Cameroon in 1998. But he was no new sub for all three in 2002, including the game against Ireland. Yeah. Everybody drew one all of them. Yeah. So I couldn't go off the bench in that one. And before that, David Campbell from Northern Ireland, 1986. Okay. Actually made his full debut against Brazil in Mexico. And then he ended up joining Rovers in 1991. And they all had that loan spell with us yeah. in 2008. And before that was Bobby Collins, who joined Rovers at the grand old age of 43 in 1973 and he had played for Scotland in the 1958 World Cup 58 so yeah. 15 years later he came for us yeah. wow I didn't know that now so they're the four that's the four and hopefully we'll be adding to that maybe with uh, the likes of Graham Burke maybe and people like that in, in the future who knows I think so yeah Trevor Clark Aaron Bolger yeah yeah. that's it we'll get to reviewing some, some of those performances soon but um, the other um, new thing for you now apart from the Curry was you were uh, I brought you down to Block L you were you yeah. were exiled from Block M for the day how, how did you find that I tried it out it was different uh, I know it's the company you keep I know I know, I know Peter and Jer I didn't know the other gentleman who was that John Dorney oh yeah yeah, yeah. a yeah. long standing long standing long serving hoop yeah so it was different I, I, I still would rather my my home Block M it's more central behind the ultras but uh, yeah it made for a nice change if I just stayed there for the car goal I would have had the perfect view for it, but I ended up seeing it at the at the far end of the stadium. I'll talk about that in a sec, but 
Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's one of those things with stadiums that, you know, when the when the East Stand opened, we just sort of walked there for the first game and then it was like, right, I guess I guess this is it. I guess we're we're stuck there. There was no sort yeah. of rationale behind picking the spot, but that's that's where we are, yeah. So that's what happened to you? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, isn't it, how I'm sure everyone's the same, but you get to kind of know everyone who stands around you as well, you know. Yeah. But uh, Well I've mentioned the show loads of times before that our section of Block M, I just turned around one day. And it was just full of teenagers. Like so the Gary Twigs Apartments Club bus, they're still, they still have their own little bunch down there near the steps. But I just looked around and it was just 12, 13, 14 year olds. The crowd just got progressively younger in the last few years in that section. Well, that's good to see the, the young coming through, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, very comfortable win uh, for Rovers 2 0. And. Uh, Really, I thought we made Derry look very, very ordinary. They, they probably made themselves look very ordinary as well, but they mm. never really threatened, did they? It was no. you wouldn't have thought it was two European rivals, two two European spot rivals going. It was more like a playing one of the lower teams. They were very, very poor in the night. I was surprised by how poor they were. Yeah, I mean, we restricted them to hardly anything. I think yeah. Bazuna had one shot to deal with. Yeah, and in fairness, Roberts played very well, so you got to give the the lads credit for for making Derry look so bad. Mm. It was beginning life without Graham Burke, of course, um, which is going to be a, a big change for, for everyone. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, we've got the transfer window opening. Um, do you think we need to, to replace Berkey? Well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you were talking about this at the game. You reckon we don't need to replace him. Um, I kind of see what you're saying. I don't feel there's a ready-made replacement at the club right now because I don't see a rejuvenated Brandon Mille happening. Although I would keep Ronan Finn in behind car as it is so in that sense maybe you're not changing much but on the other hand imagine you were to take out the goals Graham Burke scored this season mm. and how many draws and losses that would have meant yeah. uh, Brandon Cabin is probably more in the the mould of Graham Burke yeah. even though he's only was it, 17 yeah. but I think it's too much to ask him to replace him right now so I still would like one top quality player in the door in the summer yeah well, the thing, I mean, Burke is a sensational talent, you know, and it was fantastic having him at the club for whatever, the, the 18 months or whatever we did. Um, the thing I think with Burke is, is that one of the challenges we had was trying to fit Burke and Finn in, into the same team, uh, mm. I felt. And I think with, with Burke gone now, um, I mean, I understand why the club tried to sign McElhenney or allegedly tried to sign McElhenney. I think when a player like that comes available, you know, you've got to go for it. But I would... Pref- I think actually if you just push Finn further up and play Finn in that role Burke had we've got an abundance of quality in midfield uh, we've got too many centre midfielders probably uh, you know you can't fit them all uh, in so uh, I just wonder do we need to um, do we need to replace them or do we just I think there's certainly areas of the pitch we need to strengthen I'm just I just wonder is that is that one of them so basically you're thinking is we don't need another extension with a fielder mm. <clears throat> I think Finn can play that role. I mean, we all know how good Finn is on his day. Um, he's got that creative ability. He's got that ability to shoot from long range. Um, so I think he could probably do that. And then you've got the likes of, you know, you've got your 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 two bulgers, your McAllister, your Bone, you know, mm. all these lads who you can play in as kind of two holding midfielders behind them. I would agree with you if our central midfielders chipped in with more goals. Because I was actually looking at it earlier. We've only three players with three goals or more. Yeah. That's including Burke, who's gone now. Yeah, it's a poor stuff. I think Cork had seven who've scored three or more. Dundalk have five. 
Uh, Waterford are actually the same. Only three players with three or more goals. Yeah. But uh, Bowen is starting to chip in at last. Yeah. Ever since I claimed he was the worst shooter at the club, he <laughs> loves to have a pop now. Well, he just he has that written up on his, uh, on his like, locker door, doesn't he? <laughs> he doesn't have his motivation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the position I'd like to see a strength in is I, I think we've, we've, we're a very lopsided team. Um, and I think out, out wide is where we've struggled uh, more than in the central positions. You know, Clark obviously being injured for the season is obviously a massive blow losing a player like that. But, you know, in terms of wingers, you've got Kavanagh, who's been playing quite a lot in defence. You've got Mila, who just, you know, I mean, it, it nearly upsets me thinking about Mila, to be honest with you. I mean, two seasons ago, I was worried Dundalk were going to poach him. And now I'm not sure if Bray would poach him. You know, he just, he's lost the form completely. And I think there's two ways Mila's going to go. He's either going to join the long list of League of Ireland players who never fulfil the potential, uh, or else he's going to join probably the even longer uh, League of Ireland list of players who left Rovers and destroyed us for the next 10 years. That's the one. Yeah, I'd, so I, I do suspect that's probably the case, <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, he, he just has me hitting form. Um, Kulstrain, who I like now, I think he's he's beginning to show a bit of uh, a bit of form. I think by far and away our player of the month. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't really see a lot of him in the early part of the season. Maybe took him a little bit of time to bed in, who knows. But um, I think he's looking really good now. So ever since that game against Pats where he came off the bench and he was just ripping the fullback apart, he just, his confidence just seems to be really high yeah. since that game. Yeah. And he's yeah. just gotten better and better. He has, yeah, he really has. And I just think one of the problems we've had is a total lack of width. Width. There's been so many times where the ball's broken in the middle of the pitch and, you know, whether it's it's Finn or Burke or Bulger or whoever, they look up and there's just nobody out wide. You've got basically 10 centre midfielders. Um, so if there's a position I'd like to see a strength in it's probably that more than more than the, the centre roles mm, just not Aaron Green no I've definitely endorsed that position uh, Aaron Green was a particularly dark chapter in the club's history I think um, but yeah the game itself so Greg Bulger and Ethan Boyle were suspended for five yellow cards each so we had Pico coming back into centre back and Joey O'Brien uh, moving into right back then Brandon Kavanagh uh, starting in midfield. Now, I have to say, um, this was my first look at, uh, at Kavanagh. It was also my first look at uh, Bizzuno. Mm. Um, and, wow, what a player Kavanagh's going to be. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's just got bags of potential, doesn't he? And a 17-year-old playing with that level of confidence, spraying balls around... Um, you know, I just think he's he looks like he could be the real deal, you know. He's gonna be a serious player. Yeah, he really, really is. So that was fantastic to see him and you know. I believe I'm not sure now, but I is it true that we signed him from Bowes? Yeah, him and Keen Clark, who right. went to the uh Euro under six teams with Ireland, but ended up getting injured. Yeah. So he didn't play. Right. And then the keeper in his place was the one who got sent off ah, okay. in the penalty shootout. Yeah. So Clark is highly rated too. So we pinched two prospects off balls there. Well, sorry, now we love sort of bringing our own young lads through the club, but in a way, it's even funnier when we steal them from Bowes and they go on to be be sensational. So, uh, but yeah, really looking forward to seeing more of him. I think over the well, hopefully the next few years. When we picked our teams last week, we weren't aware of those uh, two suspensions for uh, Boyle and Bulger. Boyle started eighteen league league games in a row. Uh, Bulger had done sixteen in a row. And uh, so McAllister, that was actually his first home league start since February. Was it? Wow, didn't know that now. And do you know what really caught my eye when uh, the FEI 
put out the suspension list. Mikey O'Connor mm. already has eight yellow cards for Finn Harps. Wow. How does a forward have eight yellow cards by June? Yeah, that's that's worrying, isn't it? You shouldn't be you shouldn't be accumulating that over a season, let alone over a couple of months. How many goals has he had? Do you know? I actually didn't check. He's, yeah. He has a few. It does he? Yeah, I haven't. I think he's been in, in another team lately, but I haven't been keeping uh, tabs on. It would be interesting to see whether he. It's a full season loan, presumably, but I think it was actually only till the summer. Oh, really? And really? then would you bring him back? Well, I mean, it's interesting up front, isn't it? Because Shaw seems like. He seems like he's on the way out anyway. Uh, I mean, Carr has very much nailed on the starting spot, and now Sean Boyd is ahead of Shaw. Shaw, so who knows whatever's going on in the background? He, Shaw seems to be gone, which is, you know, given who's player of the season last year, you, you'd have to have a degree of sympathy for the guy. Um, but maybe if Shaw does go in the summer, maybe uh, Bradley might feel that, that that Mikey might give them a bit of cover there. Who knows? Sure, the fact that in the quiz. He couldn't even take a guess at which two countries Czechoslovakia split into. Should that completely rule him out of the club? Yeah, I think that was probably the moment his loan was confirmed, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, banished to Donegal after that answer. Uh, I was listening to that, actually. That was a real shocker. <laughs> a real shocker. Um, back to the game. The first half, Carr and Kavanagh both had decent chances. Uh, Rovers were kind of very much on top, but of course it was, it was nearly the... Almost the last kick of the, the first half, wasn't it? Dan mm. Dan Carr scored. I think it was a was it was it a Joe Cushain cross, and it was a kind of a, a lovely little sort of turning shot from Carr. Uh, great finish, actually. He kind of lobbed it up for himself yeah. and then hit it on the half volley. Yeah. Um, before that, we had uh, probably the uh, the only shot and uh, well. One of the other shots on target in the first half was, of course, Pico hitting the ball straight into the lineswoman uh, <laughs> and knocking her over. Uh, Didn't even apologise, you said. No, I, I listen. Maybe I'm just a gent who knows, but I think you know, maybe maybe an apology. But anyway, um, but, but Carr, the chance that Carr missed was probably easier than the one he he took. Yeah, like he dragged it wide, and he had a couple of t- attempts that were kind of you know tame. Uh, Cabo had a shot saved too, so. That's right, yeah, yeah, he probably could have scored that one. Carr scored some very good goals this year, and mm. I, I'd have to see that one back, obviously, on Friday, but it did seem like a very, very good finish. Seven for him, yeah. And yeah. as I mentioned, I, I left a bit early uh, before half-time, and as I was walking, you know, the pathway between the east and the west end, so I was watching the call through the fence. It was a very my postian view that's, a, that's a, where he used to watch games <laughs> my posty and that's a it's yeah. <laughs> a new terminology it's entered the dictionary but in a way i'm kind of glad i was there because i just happened to be right beside all those academy kids right. and they just erupted when the goal went in they just went mental but i think the club set a new record for how many people are on a pitch at half time didn't they there was about i know must have been about 300 little uh, four-year-olds <laughs> running around the pitch but it's great to see yeah i didn't see that properly like were you, were you watching that uh, a little bit. I mean, we we my group now we do a fairly competitive halftime quiz uh, with the oh, really? Ian Kavanagh's quiz. You know, so so halftime is usually a a tense time in a, in section L. So uh, is McDara usually involved there? McDara's usually there. McDara's over in Russia uh, yeah. at the moment, so um, he's got uh, other things to worry about. So um, who's the best at the quiz? Well, I mean, I don't I don't mean to sort of blow my own trumpet, but I I think I think that's two in a row for me now. Um, <laughs> Peter Murphy, not 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 too happy, I don't think. <laughs> but um, yeah, as I said, I'm glad I went over there to see the kids celebrating. But 
when I was coming back for the start of the second half, waiting for all 60 of them to one by one filter through the gate and be reunited with their parents. That was no fun. No. Having to stand there waiting for that to, to commence. No, that's Did not enjoy that at all. I heard a buffalo run through you probably. <laughs> also, quite a sad moment as I was coming back. There on the ground underneath the stand, a poster. A discarded, crumbled poster for Tales from the East End Poker Night. Which ended up getting cancelled, sadly, due to lack of interest. Lack of interest. It was so symbolic. It was just just down there on the ground. Just mocking you, really. No one cared about it. Tell you. And is there plans to get the the night going again? No, I think we're going to have to take a different route. Really, yeah? Yeah. I would have thought there was enough gamblers at the club to take you up. You would think so, but no. Well, Well, we'll watch this space for that one. Um, second half then of course about was about on the 66 minutes uh, 2-0 up uh, brilliant by Finn to keep the ball in play as I yeah. remember I think he kept it in with the, with the header yeah that was uh, class then there was a kind of a short uh, or a series of sort of short passes between a couple of the, the lads and then a great finish uh, from Joel to put 2-0 uh, so 2-2 uh, two and two for him 2-2 two and two, exactly and I think he set up the first as well didn't he so a goal and an assist in that game if I'm not mistaken um, and really Derry were Derry were gone at that stage weren't they there was never mm. any real threat of them coming back in I think some people are having to eat a bit of humble pie about Mr Crustrain at the moment because yeah, yeah. Grant, I could see their criticisms at the start of the season he looked you were saying he could be the next Sean O'Connor he looked a bit Sean O'Connor-esque maybe at the yeah. start like a little bit of a windy kind of player but then I I just think maybe now that he's got a couple of games under the belt he just seems to be finding his finding his form and I just think he Especially in the absence of Clark, he offers us something that I don't think we have uh, otherwise. Mm. So His runs, um, it opens up a space for us, which kind of yeah. hadn't been happening the last few months. Yeah, We've been sort of looking a bit, lacking of ideas yeah. in the centre of the field. But when Castrea makes those runs, it opens up space in Carr and Finn. You know, it, it's working for us. It does, and that, I think, gets back to the point I was making about the lack of width. You know, if you've got people who just hug the touchline... Uh, it creates so much space for the likes of the Finn or you know Greenberg or whoever it happened to be you know so mm. um, very very congested space a lot of the time and uh, some crunching tackles out there I noticed one on Grace in particular there were there's some big tackles going in weren't there uh, mm. I think young Brandon Kavanagh got a few kind of tasty tackles in as well which I yeah. also like to see probably not worth a red but <clears throat> the fans were chanting for a red but yeah yeah I suppose the yellow was fair enough well, I think I said to you at the time as well, it was one of those ones, if, if the stand was that 20 yards, kind of or 10 yards closer to the pitch, you never know, that might have been a red. Uh, if it had been in front of the St. Pat's dugout in Shakur. Oh, absolutely. Down to red. Absolutely, a red and a five-game ban if, if it happens in front of uh, in front of the Pats uh, substitutes. Lee Grace, though, was a bit worrying at times, some of the mistakes he made. Yeah, Grace is a funny one, isn't he? I mean, he, for the first, well, last season, he literally didn't put a foot wrong. Um, and this season now I, th- I do think he's solid 95% of the time but there are errors coming into his game aren't there but did you know this was the first game in a while where he didn't have Joey O'Brien alongside him Pico came back in for this game right and the two of them have been solid right like we've had these clean sheets well we kept a clean sheet again so you think, I know you think it's a partnership that works definitely yeah I think O'Brien is a really good influence on him yeah yeah he is, and I think O'Brien is probably, you'd imagine, maybe suits the central roles a bit more, where he probably doesn't have to run quite so much. Um, you know, with the injuries he's had and the age he's at, 
I think it's unlikely he's going to dart up and down the wings in those fullback positions. So maybe the central role suits him mm. a bit better. So Brandon Miller came back from injury. Uh, his first appearance since he came off uh, in the in the 3-0 win against Pats. Um, but yeah, we've talked about Miller. Yeah, I mean, you'd love to see Miller back on form. Um, I'm just not sure it's going to happen. I don't think so. Will, will he survive July? I think he will. But the end of the season, this decision is going to have to be made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, July will be interesting, I think. Um, I can see one or two leaving. Can you? Who would you? Who would you? Would I put you on the spot for now? I don't. Want, I don't want to name anyone. People can use their imagination as to you know who's not been playing. Yeah, and where they are in the pecking order. Yeah, but yeah. I would expect at least one to leave. Yeah, yeah well, I think, and you know, as I say this is without any sort of inside knowledge, but the fact that Shaw isn't, you know, and Boyd is coming on ahead of him now, and Boyd, uh, I think you told me a stat at the game, didn't you about? You know, boy, it's, it's a long time since he scored. September 2016. September 2016. Now, a fair to the lad, uh, and he was in. He was on my table quiz as well to start of the season. So you know, I, I felt we struck a bond uh, over the picture round. So I don't how, want to have a go with him. How helpful was he doing in the quiz? Um. Well, I mean, listen, because Sean Cameron was no help. No, boy. To be fair to him, he did get a few, and he got a few that no one else on the table knew. Um. So yeah, a couple of uh, definite assists anyway. But um, in fairness to him, now he hasn't played a huge amount of football, um, so it's not like he's playing every week and hasn't scored since since what was it September two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, um, hasn't not, played a lot, but it's probably only a handful of starts in there. Yeah, but you'd love to see him in the net, wouldn't you? You think would do wonders for his confidence. Well, that's the thing. I remember I've said this before. Last year, he had uh, two goals disallowed in a short space of time. There was one against Glenville in the cup, and there was one over in Czech Republic that he had ruled out, which looked kind of. Dodgy actually looks yeah. like it should have stood. Yeah, and, you know, one of those goes in. He could be a different player. Yeah, and then the start of this season, he scored a belter in preseason in uh, Sweden. Yeah, but uh, I think he I think another injury flared up again. So yeah, he was out then. The other interesting, of course, we'll all be watching is the goalkeeper situation uh, over the next few weeks. Big Al uh, comes back mm-hmm. in. I think Big Al is uh, well. He's available, obviously, from from, from July. Um, he could play his first game in the Leinster Senior Cup in the Leinster Senior Cup I mean could you know play in that one for match practice and then start in Cork yeah could do I mean what's your thoughts against uh, would you put Big Al in or I mean young young Bazuno three clean sheets can can he can he be dropped it's kind of strange dropping a keeper with three clean sheets but you kind of you have to play Al don't you you have to you want to see his debut yeah I think so I mean I think you know, Bazuna's done very, very well. Although, in fairness, I was he tested in Derry? Did Derry have? I can't really remember him actually save. He did everything he had to do, but I can't remember him having to I do much. one save. He had more to do in Limerick for sure. Yeah, Bradzer yeah. even said like he kept us in the game. Yeah, we were yeah. under that much pressure for the first twenty minutes. Yeah, but well, I even yeah. saw him in the before the the Derry game, just doing the warm ups, and you know he was definitely pulling off some good stops. Um, in the oh, he's a great presence. I yeah. mean. I mean, it's unbelievable. Sixteen, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. especially for a keeper who most keepers don't establish themselves till they're you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Um, I mean, we could conceivably have Bazunu for ten years and then sell him. You know, um, goalies don't. It's unheard of to have a keeper that age uh, playing. I wouldn't like to put that pressure on him going to Cork though, because it's such fine margins. Because yeah. I remember Kevin Horgan down there last time. He rushed out needlessly and yeah. gave away a penalty yeah. 
other than that, he had a good, had a good game. But they're the fine margins. And I would hate to see Bazunu just make a slight mistake like that, and then sort of the fans sort of doubting him. Yeah, I would hate to see that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very delicate in terms of his confidence and and on all that. But um, I mean, Kevin Hogan, in fairness, had been beginning to play quite well. Uh, Absolutely, and yeah. then he got that that kind of knock, and then lost the, the injury lost the came place. at a terrible time. I mean, I think obviously Tomer is now probably realistically probably fourth choice uh, at the club, and I'm presuming his he's presumably his contract's up in November. I think. Um, it probably makes more sense for Tomar to try and find a club in July rather than wait till November. Um, so we'll have to see what, what happens there. But um, yeah, I think I probably would make Big Al number one. Um, and then I wonder would Bazunu or Horgan go on loan even to get them a bit of, bit of match practice? Depends if is even going to stay beyond this summer transfer window. Well, this is it. I mean, I was reading in the the Sunday Times were claiming that Liverpool, Man City, and Southampton had scouts at the Derry game. Um, I just saw I saw the Liverpool goalkeeping coach. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know about those other clubs. Apparently, yeah. that was what was reported. Anyway, um, it was also reported that he did a trial at Celtic last week. Yeah, I didn't know about that. No, and I was surprised to hear that. To be honest, um, but I also said he was at Arsenal and Brighton at one stage. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. I suppose the model the club is trying to do isn't it it's about getting lads to stay here get the leaving cert you know mature a little bit and, and then go over so I personally would prefer to see him staying at the club for, for a few years rather than rather mm. than go now and you know especially if you're going to a club like Liverpool or Man City um, you know realistically you're, you're not going to get thrown in nets um, the first team there anyway so you'd probably end up going out on, on loans to lower league clubs and, and youth teams and things like that and you just wonder does he have more opportunity here at Rovers what more could you ask for like Big Al definitely has a good two seasons left in him uh, Bazunu here as his understudy yeah like as two goalkeepers in the League of Ireland yeah. what more could you actually want that's it and as we were saying as at 16 you know there's absolutely no rush he is uh, in goalkeeping ages he's an absolute baby you know so um there's, I, I, I wouldn't like to see him in a rush to leave he's probably just a freak of nature that he's developed so soon yeah yeah. and that he actually is ready completely ready for first team football yeah just a note on uh, Aaron Bolger as well we were kind of sceptical that he'd be involved at all with the leaving cert going on but he was actually in the match squad in all four games in June made one start two sub appearances and he was on the bench once yeah and what a player he is as well and if you look at that, I know Bulger came off the bench against Derry. You've got a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old playing. Uh, and then, you know, another couple of young lads as well. But just to have that number of, of teenagers in the first team and comfortably winning against a club like Derry is, uh, like, it's 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 just so positive. It's a statement, uh, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Um, and it's just fantastic to see. And... You know, I know the underage teams are doing really well as well. Apparently, there's a great, um, you know, a great uh, production line uh, coming coming behind them as well. So uh, yeah, really, really positive, and it just shows you even if you are buying in the likes of Brandon Cavanagh, so they're not maybe they're not technically home produced players, um, but the fact that the club is giving youth the chance and investing in youth uh, is just really, really positive. Absolutely. Um, anyone else stand out for you? We've probably covered quite a quite a few there. We've mentioned a lot of players there. 
I'd probably give Samba another mention. I mm. quite like his defence spitting passes. Yeah. Especially some in the first half. Like a lot of those true balls that were opened up there, they were him. Yeah. He's got a great range of passing on him, yeah. doesn't he? Uh, he likes the Hollywood balls as well, Bone. Like he's yeah. very good at those kind of cross field. He, he, more often than not, he finds the Robert Bayer with those balls. He does, and as you were saying, you know, it would be great to see him get a couple of goals in his game as well. He's certainly got the ability for those long-range uh, shots, so, you know... He, He's been hiding that ability yeah. for the last 18 months, so I never saw it. Yeah, yeah. But you'd love to see him maybe work on that, maybe set himself targets for, for getting a couple of goals every year. Because as you say, you know, we do need uh, other players chipping in with goals. We've been very reliant on the likes of Carr and Burke. Mm. Yeah, it'd be great to see others... One of the reasons why I'd like Davy Mack to start ahead of Greg Bolger. Like, Bolger hasn't scored for us this season. Mm. Mack has two already, even though he barely plays. He's got a great pile driver on him, doesn't he, McAllister? Not just the pile driver, he's a great threat from set pieces. Yeah, He true. gets headers. True, yeah. I think he got four last season. Did you he? Know? Really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, very good player. And I know a lot of fans are really calling for him to be sort of, you know, regular in the, in the team sheet. Admittedly, it is a case of the less you see of a player, the more his stock rises. Because we're all just, you know, we're not, we're not seeing him. And we're kind of, we're disappointed with Greg Bulger some of the time. So, but it's not just that. I, I, I would rather see him play every week. Yeah, I mean, I do I do think Greg Bulger is a great player. Um, he's got a little bit of stick from some of the, some, some quarters this season. Um, but, you know, if you look at what Bulger's done in the league over the last 10 years, you know, he's he's a proven top-quality centre midfielder. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think... I wonder how some of the criticism may be being a bit over the top at times, you know. Mm. Anything else uh, jump out about the Derry game or all in all in all, uh, uh, a good, solid night's work? Well, we mentioned how poor they were and how surprising that was. And they they did have Aaron McEnough suspended. Yeah. So that was a big loss for him. Um, Dean Shields the manager's son who was just signed he was actually ineligible so they were missing two there their number 10 looked decent uh, Ben Fisk a Canadian international Ben Fisk he was making his debut international is he yeah right. didn't, didn't know that want to want to keep an eye on yeah they did have a fair bit of possession towards the end yeah be, maybe we sat back a bit too much yeah but as you say how many saves do you remember Bazuna making yeah and they never the result was never really in doubt once that, that first goal went in. And uh, Derry, of course, have had a decent record against us in the last couple of years, but uh table seems to be turning now. We're three in a row against them, I believe. Absolutely, yeah. Two wins and a draw. And we hadn't won in the previous seven against them. We hadn't beaten a Kenny Shields team until that 6-1 win in Tala. Yeah, Kenny Shields had a bit of a hex over us, didn't he? He has a hex on... Everyone in Dublin, it seems. He had that record at one stage where he won like 9 out of 10. It's still going against Bowes. Kenny Shields there, he had beaten Bowes 10 straight times. Really, yeah. I wish our record was, was anywhere <laughs> up to there. Um, any other stats jump out from the from the Derry game? Yeah, it's the first time this season we won three games in a row. Really? And it's the first time in the league since August of last year we won three in a row. We did have that run of seven in all competitions. And that's for, clean, that's for clean sheets. Three clean sheets in a row in the league. First time under Stephen Bradley. Really? Wow. So that's last a, time had been start. last time had been May 2016. Wow. So first time in two years. Yep. Wow, that that is something. 
Well, there does seem to be a bit of form coming. I mean, obviously the team had a fairly major wobble, uh, and you know the the Bradley was coming under a lot of pressure. But they do need a run, uh, and it does seem like they're uh, does seem like they're they're going that way. I suppose people might argue we played three weak teams, but a win's a win. Win's a win, and it's all about confidence, isn't it? Absolutely. If we had won that run we had, where it was like two wins and. 13 or something if we had just won one of those games that could have been a turning point it seemed like all we needed was a win to get the confidence back but it just yeah. wouldn't happen yeah. so you can't underestimate three wins in a row no what that does well long may continue um, some other interesting results around the league last weekend um, Dundalk beating Cork uh, a last minute own goal I believe um, Bowes beating uh, Pats Limerick beating Bray 2-1 that's a very big win for, for Limerick and Waterford beating Sligo 3-2 in the showgrounds so that leaves us 3 points ahead of Derry 6 ahead of Pats and 7 behind 3rd place Waterford um, a few big wins there I mean very very big win for Dundalk obviously um, they look back like on top now yeah back on top and it's just typical of Dundalk isn't it just kind of being that ability to sort of grind out late wins I suppose that's what makes teams champions, isn't it? Another stat there, actually. Nine wins in a row in the league for them. First time since 1982. Really? Nine yep. in a row? Well, there's something to uh, something for us to, to aim for. I heard the Cork fans are boycotting Oriel. Because I saw a picture of, the, of their fans in the you know the terrace where yeah. we stand. Yeah. And very sparse crowd. Well, I know there's been talk of that at Rovers as well the last couple of years. I mean, I have to be honest, I haven't been to Oriel in years. Really? Um, I just... I know that people go there to get behind the team and it's important that people are get behind the team. I just think you're going up there, you're paying money in to an opposition to be treated like dirt, you know, and uh, I don't find it an enjoyable experience. No, uh, it's a horrible place. Yeah. Now, in fairness, you can probably say that about a lot of League of Ireland grounds, but um, I just think the money Dundalk have, they've got these new owners, they had the Europa League run, uh, you know, won, what, three league titles in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse. Uh, One of the owners was interviewed on Soccer Republic there a couple of weeks ago, and the question was put to him, like, when will the improvements to the facilities be made? He gave a kind of manager-speak answer. So, I don't know. Will it be one year? Will it be three years? In fairness, Cork suddenly, out of nowhere, improved the away facilities at Turner's Cross. Mm. Like, I went went on a big speech about it on the show, about how I went into the toilets and suddenly there were actual toilets and walls and stalls and they're, urinals they're spoiling us aren't they yeah there was soap well that's probably more of a Munster FA thing I wonder I wonder to what extent they were yeah. behind that or, or, or the club but um, but I'm officially never going to Oriel Park again not for not for the reasons you might suspect it's because apparently they played that Maroon 5 Three Little Birds song over the PA oh that's inexcusable I mean whatever about not having a a roof over your head or, or, or toilets I mean Maroon 5 that's just that's a new low is it bad enough that we have to listen to that song 84 times a day during the ad break of the World Cup that you're actually going to play that at a League of Ireland game as well Joe I think the, the worst thing is you've now managed to get it into my head uh, <laughs> so that's so I think we're going to just move swiftly on there um, but just to touch briefly on you mentioned there the American owners um, like it's an interesting time isn't it in the league you've got the Americans taking over to Dock you've got the Saudis taking over Galway which just came out of nowhere yeah um, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming that the, the sort of the plan is, is that, you know, you can stick two million in and try and get to the group stages and get eight million out. But um, it's a, it's, it's a curious situation, isn't it? Well, we've got nothing to compare it to. There's no previous incident of foreign owners coming into a League of Ireland club and making a profit. So we can't even point to anything yeah. that's been successful. So it's hard to even imagine three, four or five years from now where, like, how long is it going to take for Galway to even qualify for the Champions League? Like, they have to win the league first. Yeah. They have to get out of the first division. They have to get out of the first division. They have that's to win the, the league. Yeah. That's the thing. So it's, you know, it sounds simple. Stick two million in, get eight million out. But how many years do you have to stick two million in? Obviously, after four years, you're only cutting even. So um, it's it's a curious situation. And the Galway one, I think Johnny Ward had mentioned that one of the Galway owners lived in Galway. For a year, yeah. For a year. So that may be... He liked the place, yeah. That might be, that might be why it is. I mean... As I said, as, as a friend of mine said, the, the Saudis and the Galwegians, you know, two horse racing mad people who like parading around the square once a year. So, you know, obvious, uh, obvious cultural links. There's a connection there, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting interesting times. I mean, I was a little bit surprised at how quickly the Galway fans or how enthusiastically the Galway fans voted uh, well, to, to hand over ownership. I think the reason for that was they went the, uh, the membership model route this season. But they are only had about hundred or so members. It was a small, you know, yeah. group to work with. Yeah. And they were kind of worried how sustainable was that. Yeah. So that's probably why they were so eager to go to Yeah. 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 Well, interesting uh, times ahead. Anyway. Um, you mentioned that how far we are from from Waterford, seven points. Yeah. I heard people mentioning on Friday that that Derry game was a classic six pointer. For yeah, us, yeah. We've, we're three points ahead of them. As for Cash and Waterford, I, I'm still not sure we will. I think we actually have to beat them twice yeah. to catch them. Now, they lost a couple of players in July. I think a few of their loanies have gone back, but they've managed to hold on to a few of them as well. They Yeah, they initially lost Duffus, but they've got him back now. Yeah, and he's been a good player for them. And Bastien Henri, uh, as well as having a great name, is also a great <laughs> player as well. So he's... Uh, he's really pulling the strings there, I think. Um, Pats losing to Bowes. Uh, Pats are on a dreadful run at the moment. That's six straight defeats. They hadn't lost five in a row. Yet more stats from here. They hadn't lost five in a row since 1992 under Brian Kerr. And I don't even know the last time they lost, they lost six. Might even be a record. I have to, to check. But yeah. it's just a horrendous run. It is. And, and, and long may it continue. But... Um, we're you deep know, in past territory here, I notice. We are. We're, we're uh, stones throw uh, from uh, from Inchicore, <laughs> which is a, a statement that's been put to the test uh, a few times. But the um, before we played Pats in, in Tala, uh, I bumped into a Pats support and mate, and they were on a good run at that time. And I just said to him, I was like, you know, you're on a good run, you must be confident. And he basically said, oh, that's going to end. You know, this team are going to run out of legs. And they've lost every game since. He was spot on. He was absolutely spot on. Why did he suspect that? I think he just thought that they were probably overachieving uh, somewhat. And um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but he, he he predicted the demise anyway. I'm not sure if he wanted, predicted it to this extent. But Pat, I, Pat's form at any given time is kind of thrown at us in terms of how well uh, Kevin Toner are doing. Because mm. he was supposedly a target that we missed yeah. the start of the season. How well Simon Madden is doing. 
yeah. because we made a big call uh, choosing Ethan Boyle over him. Yeah. So when they won four in a row, Brazier has totally messed up the whole thing yeah. by that Madden go. Now they've lost six in a row. Everything's rosy again. Yeah. Who, who, Simon who? Sorry, thing. That's it. It's yeah. so up and down. He doesn't seem to. I mean, I obviously haven't been watching Pat's games terribly closely, but Madden doesn't seem to have had that kind of impact that he had at Rovers. Well, actually, someone made a good point to me. The tighter pitch in Inchicore is mm. suiting him, as opposed to the wider pitch in Tala, where he was running into the space and their attacks would break down out there yeah. and there was no end product. He's quite enjoying the tight pitch at Richmond. Right. And okay. it's, I've seen some clips of him where he's putting in some good crosses. I've seen other games where him and Toner Madden and look, look disastrous. Yeah, I know. You sure that wasn't superimposed somehow? Or no, hell for us <laughs> over. Um, yeah, Limerick um, starting to release players: uh, Brandon Clark, Marco Sullivan, uh, Henry Cameron, all gone. Uh, seems to be talk that maybe the finances mm. aren't great there. Bray in a similar uh, situation, uh, which is never nice to see in the league. But Bows are three points above. Uh, Limerick uh, on the relegation zone I think Bowes and Pats are probably going to be safe enough on the basis that Limerick and Bray seem nailed on for those two uh, last spots do you think? Unless one of them goes bust now and then we don't even have an automatic relegation Yeah, true. but we haven't had a good expunging in a while have we? No we're due one yeah we're Absolutely due expunging but yeah no I think you're right I think plus Bowes just have this ability to pull a result out when they need one if they were in a situation like where they're two points off to drop with two with two weeks to go in the season, they'd just go to Cork and win. Yeah. Like Keith Long just, he does put out those results. He does, yeah. yeah. Um, in the first division then, there's a big win for Longford. Uh, they won 5-1 away to league leaders at UCD, which I when I saw the result, I had to then check the table because I was pretty sure that UCD were, were winning the league. Uh, I was the same, yeah. It was a very strange result, that. I hadn't looked at the table in a while. Yeah. I was like, what does this mean for the table? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Galway losing their first game under their new Saudi leadership, um, 2-1 to Shells. Uh, Shells are having a decent enough season as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think Shelburne and Longford, they're all kind of in the mix there, aren't they, for the yeah. the playoff spots. Yeah. I mean half just have to finish in the top half of the table and you're Yeah, and you've got a chance. Yeah. 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 As for Athlone Town at the bottom there. That must be one of the worst records in European football. <laughs> uh, I think do they have two points, I think? Is it only two? Yeah, but something like that. And their goal difference is horrendous as well. They over a year now without a win. Is it thirty five league games? And as far as I know, the all-time record is a run of 38 games by Kilkenny City from 1994 right. to 95. So they're closing in on that. Well, that's not a record anyone wants. It's kind of um, sad to see Athlone in the in the situation they're in. They just seem like a bit of a basket case at the moment. And it is a, it's a very, very old club. The oldest, I think. Um, yeah, the oldest. In so it's, you know, it's not... You'd like to see them stabilise a little bit. They're a good club. Yeah. A bit of history there. There is a lot of history, yeah. So um so that's it for the league. Um moving on to the back to Rovers, um the underage um teams. Uh the under nineteens beat Cove 2 0 Atala on Wednesday. Uh Dean Williams and Dean Dillon uh scoring there. So that was their first game back after a month long break. Uh so that's a good uh, good result for them. And extremely hot at the game too. Uh twenty four degrees, I believe. According to Robert Goggins, hotter than Friday. Really? Because I asked him, like, 
have you ever been at a game as hot as that? And he said, yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> I was hoping for some temperature stats from the 70s or something. <laughs> temperature stats, that's a whole new uh, yeah. a whole new area for you to move into, I think, now, you know. <laughs> we'll have to have a little temperature section on the, on the, on the show, maybe. <laughs> and just in the 19s as well, they're after signing Duke Heddy from Collinstown. Meant to be a serious prospect. Scored a few goals with him. Get promoted. And obviously a Dubliner. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, no, really, really good to see um, see the lads getting that win uh, against Cove. Um, the under seventeens lost a two goal lead at Cabinteely, but still went on to win four uh, two. So that's a hundred percent record for the seventeens, which is very impressive. Um, and you're going to hit me with the first of the difficult to pronounce names. I think this is why Gary gave this job up to go to. <laughs> um, so the 17s were scored by Daniela Bogdanovs and uh, then a hat-trick from Thomas Alua. Uh, I'm sure I'm horrifically pronouncing that, so apologies to the lads, but Close very impressive. Enough. I go more uh, Bogdanovs. Bogdanovs, okay. Yeah. okay. We'll go with that. We've, we and haven't hit the 15s yet. That's where it gets really tricky. <laughs> I don't know if you saw a picture of the pitch that that game was played on at no, uh, Kilturnan. Looks like a desert. Really? Well, yeah, that's not good. That's not good to be having young lads playing on services like that. Um, but uh, yeah, impressive win, 100% record. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and the 17s will be away to UCD on Saturday uh, at a 2 o'clock kickoff uh, if anyone wants to. Hopefully, see that 100% record continue and uh, you know make sure to log the temperature for the prof as well. <laughs> Um, the under-15s won 6-0 on Longford on Saturday, so that's, a, again, a fantastic result for them. Sinclair Armstrong got two, Roland Banya got one, uh, and then the other goals were by Nathan Anwanyu, Conan, Conan Noonan, Victor... This is the one I really struggle with now. Sorry, Victor... Uh, Abajanbi, I'm going to say. I'd say Abangbi. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Anyway, that sounds even worse. Victor scored. Fair play <laughs> to you, Victor. Uh, and next up for them is Sligo this Saturday, 2 o'clock in the showgrounds. Um, and then also just to mention the amputee team as well. So Rovers produced a goal feast. They eased past league leaders Bohemians. Kevin O'Rourke got a hat-trick in a 6-0 win. And uh, then they also beat Cork City. They came from a goal behind to win 4-1. So that's, uh, that's great to see. That team really progressing very well as well. First wins of the season, I believe. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, Bowes beat them five two in the previous game, so from that to six nil, that's quite a turnaround. That's quite a turnaround, yeah, yeah. And really positive just to go through those underage results as well, isn't it? Just uh, yeah, it's what just goes back to that. Just sense that there's really great stuff happening at that uh, that kind of level in the club. You know, really, really positive. Someone was talking to me about the the fifteens in particular. Maybe you get your opinion on this. Do you think the fifteens are learning anything by hockeying these teams five and six nil every week? Well, that's true. I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, I'm sure they're learning a lot from Duffer. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, just to, to, you know, as a young lad, having someone like him training you, even if his persona does seem to be remarkably grumpy during the World Cup, um, yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever seen Damien Duff happy during you're doing punditry, but... Uh, that's not just the World Cup. That's Rosedown, Tata, everywhere. That is his demeanour. That's him, yeah. He looks like he hates you. Well, uh, I mean, to have a... To have a player that experience I mean I'm not sure how obviously if you're under 15 I'm not sure how familiar you are with Duffer's career but um, but yeah that's a fair point when you're when you're lumping team 6-0 I mean it does suggest that it's not terribly competitive um, and I suppose the whole 
um, mantra you hear at that kind of level is the best against the best. You know, trying to get the best players up against the best players all the time and trying to um, you know push them that way. So yeah, fair fair point. Apparently they beat Chelsea a few weeks ago, so that is that is a test. You mentioned that. That's that's fantastic to hear, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's that really is playing playing the best. So that's yeah, that's that's brilliant to hear them beating teams like Chelsea. Um. So yeah, so that's the underage stuff. So um, before the Derry game, uh, myself and the prof uh, caught up with Alan Kinsella, uh, who's a long-standing Rovers fan. I'm sure many people uh, know him. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, he's also uh, very well known for his uh, blog, Election Literature uh, Collection. He's been collecting election pamphlets and posters since, was it 1982, I think he mentioned to us? Uh, A long time anyway. Um, so we had a chance to catch up with Alan and we asked him a little bit about uh, Rovers and his uh, slightly unusual uh, political hobby. Okay, so we're here with Alan Kinsler. And the first question, how did you get into Rovers? And remember what your first game was? My first game was actually, uh, it was in the 80s against UCD. I don't know why, or I don't know, um, I don't know the year, but my dad took me because his friend was checking out one of his friend's daughter was going out with one of the UCD players and um, they wanted to see if he was any good so they took me along and it was Rovers and so that was my first Rovers game Do you have a favourite Rovers player pre and post Tala? Pre uh, Tala was Alan Byrne Um, he was only with us briefly but it was just he was magnificent that season we won the league he was just magnificent a real battler he was like um he just had everything he was brilliant he was brilliant and post Tala Twig obviously her post or in Tala Twig so. uh, we're off to Sweden shortly uh, you were there back in 2002 for the Jorgarden game so what are your memories from that? Um, lo- well loads of fellas going in a conga topless um, around the stadium um, plus like it's funny You'd have all started to carry on at home. Um, there would have been, you know, bows, shells, etc., etc. But you know, I'd never seen it serious. Um, but that, that was that was serious, um, serious stuff over there. Um, in the you bar. mean the riot? The riot, yeah. yeah. Like I actually, I wasn't in there. I was close. I was watching. <laughs> I was there with my brother-in-law, and we were going to go. We were going there, and we saw it, and then we left because we had to, we were under instructions to bring back toys. He was uh, he was two, so I was on the lookout for Lego. Um, so I had a big big lump of Lego, and thank God now my Lego didn't get broken in the in the, in the trouble there would have been. Yeah, no, it was um, it was a zoo. It was a Lego zoo that I'd never seen here before. And what, what was your memories of what actually happened? What did you what, what did you see? see? We, we just saw it and ran. Got out there. Like we weren't in the pub. Uh, we just saw it went out and uh says Jesus. Yeah, just that was that was it. Like we didn't uh, uh I wasn't um we weren't drinking in there. We'd I had had a drink there earlier, but uh certainly um I wouldn't be one for settling down um in the sitting down in the pub for the day. Um, we'd, a, we'd actually gone to museums and stuff. <laughs> you weren't there with Jason Maloney and McConroy. No, they were no. talking about breaking out yeah, of the no, windows. No, no. I heard the stories later on in the, in the at the match and <coughs> on the train and stuff to um, to the stadium, but it was just uh, it was just nuts. 
It was just uh, just nuts. Like even in, even at the ground, like it was kind of pathetic. There was um, fellas waving bows, jerseys, and this type of stuff. Like and the ground was massive. So at the other end, you had all their fans, and we were kind of just. We were at one end, and basically a fellow walks up halfway up the stand and just waves a Bose jersey at us. And like, what's the point? Like, the amount of trouble somebody must have gone to, to actually... Even, although the home leg was previous to that, but even the amount of trouble that was the thing. But it was, it was the first trip. I promised myself that whenever they qualify for Europe, I'd go. And that was the first time in Yonks that we qualified so there was a huge crowd over and good good buzz around the place and again you, you if you're going off in the whatever couple of weeks it's the same business it was right Dublin to London London and, and everyone going all sorts of ways but it was a great experience um, really enjoyable uh, we believe you once appeared on Question of Sport and uh, Raw was your sport. Know Your Sport sorry. Know Your Sport RT's Know Your Sport and Raw was your specialist topic yeah. uh, the memory man, Jimmy McGee. Yeah, actually, do you know what? I think um, Jimmy McGee was gone at that stage because it was just George Hamilton. It was a big letdown. And because uh, <laughs> it was really. I applied for it and I went in. You're meant to give three topics to um, three topics that you might, should you qualify for the next round and the following round. So I had three topics and one was Rovers in Europe, one was the career of Liam O'Brien, and then was <laughs> one was. I can't remember what the other one was. But anyway, they came back and said, you're on the show, but those those topics are too small, so we'll just do Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> so I was literally um, studying Robert Goggins and Paul Doolan's The Hoops, like there was no internet or anything back then. And I, I've, you probably know from the interview, but I was slow answering. I got most questions right, but it was just slow answering, so I didn't get the, um, I didn't quite get, uh, didn't finish first or anything. But I got to know your sport umbrella which I left in the pub that evening <laughs> so I didn't even have the glory of, uh, of having that around for a while but it was a good experience it was a good experience Alright so we're talking about the summer transfer window what would you like to happen? Well we have a goalkeeper um, possibly a striker or a winger you see I think I think if we had everyone fit, if we had Trevor back it would make a huge such a huge huge difference um, kind of been funny all year in that you're, you're at some games and they're playing majestic football they're winning you know, like last time Derry were here and they just took them apart even the last two games last couple of games they were just taking people apart and then the, they go one nil up against somebody else fall back and just that's what's mad the team has the potential and you can see that when it clicks it really clicks so I don't know who obviously yeah, McElhenney or whoever but there's no um, like we blow the midfielders. No, nobody really. Um, need to replace Burke. Well, if Trevor comes back, that will be a huge thing. Also, Kustrain has started getting a bit of form. Where when he came on first, he was running. D- er, when he came here first, he was running down every cul-de-sac possible. He was like a great cross control and everything, but he was just going. He just where the last couple of games, he's just lit up. And something has uh, something has happened, and he's now there's a bit of end product. Yeah, there is. Yeah, um, but obviously, I think Manus is the big one. Obviously, Manus coming in is, is massive. The amount of points goalkeepers have cost us this year is just shocking. <laughs> like it's like we used to like um, your man. 
Like Oscar Janssen would walk into this tent. <laughs> like he would, wouldn't he? Like he'd just he'd just walk into this tent and he was he was mad. Thank you. Okay, so Alan, apart from Rovers, the other thing that you're um, well known for is your election, election literature. Um, so firstly, how did you get into election literature as a, uh, as a hobby? Um, there was three elections. Well, first of all, outside polling stations back then, you were allowed canvas. So my folks go down to vote and I'd um, stay around outside and just get stuff. You get given stuff. It was like going to the spring show or stuff. You get stickers and everything. <coughs> there was a couple of elections together, 81, 82, and 2 and 82, and uh, I just kept stuff from them. And then, so then people in my class kept some for me. Then my aunties, uncles, family, friends, um, and then people in school, whatever, everything. So you just developed a network and further elections, and it grew. And then went to college, and it grew again because you had a wider geographical, wider geographical spread of people. And plus, my dad would have gone. Um, my dad would have worked for Dunlops, so he would have been down the country a bit. So if there was something on, like I had, I suppose if I had all my family trained in that. Uh, if they saw something or passed an office or saw a political rally or somebody canvassing, they'd stop the car and go out and get something for me. So um, you must have thousands of these at this stage. Have you have you done a count? No, um, I've probably about thirty thousand, thousand, <laughs> and then a couple hundred posters. Wow. But the posters, I don't have too many of the modern ones because they're too uh, bulky. Um, but you, you realise, um, like it's interesting, the um, like the recent referendum, there's a lot about archiving it and everything. And it's great to see pe- other people kind of getting into the whole thing because there's, it's funny, people contact me. If you think about it, if you're into politics, um, if you're a politician, it's your job. And like, I don't keep anything from my job. Uh, most people don't. And all of a sudden, a lot of people would pass away or, or something like that. And the family find, yeah, there are a few photographs and things, but they've actually none of their uh, election literature or posters in because it just gets thrown out um, because you just it's it's finished with that election. I suppose that's the whole thing about ephemera. It's meant to, like say, a program or something. It's meant to just last for a certain period, and then it's uh, no longer relevant. You must be the most uh, feared man in Irish politics because you've actually documented all the promises they make before every election. Yeah, it's actually funny. Was the some of my leaflets have reappeared? So some some of the leaflets I had have reappeared on other leaflets later on, which is quite funny. It was quite funny to see. And actually, I was I was uh, I got um, I got somebody to apologise to me because they didn't credit the source in the leaflet and that annoyed me because I kept this thing for 25 years and you know that uh, and all of a sudden it was everywhere but no it's, uh, it's a fascinating hobby and we have I know Martina the former um, former club director is a councillor with Labour are there any other well known Rovers political links like that well actually that was the funny thing well you've Charlie O'Connor um, regularly seen in his scarf in a way, it's funny, like when Rovers first came to Tala, you would have had all, Brian Hayes would have been in here, um, Sean Crow, like all the local TDs would have come. Um, and I think there's a couple of counts, a couple of the councillors, like Emma Murphy is another one as a Rovers supporter. Um, but there'd be, uh, there's, there was always rumours, uh, I, th- I could have sworn I saw Pat Rabbit in the RDS. Um, 
but there's no no Charlie O'Connor would be uh, probably and Martina Martina Giannocchi would be uh, probably the most famous but it's actually it's kind of funny in a way in that um, I collect material I go to football matches and for years um, it would be really only be European elections when we were travelling around when we were playing the road RDS Tolka Santry wherever like even even matches like you wouldn't even bother having canvassers there wouldn't nobody would even bother canvassing because we wouldn't get the crowds and that's actually changed since we got to Tala because it's a we have a home we're somewhere a lot of the voters Dublin Southwest or wherever so you get people um, by elections or local elections or even the referendum and stuff and that wouldn't have happened before which is uh, just a side side effect of having a home and um, we have a Galway United fan in the Aris, of course, yeah. uh, who is potentially up for re-election. Is there any Rovers fan you think would like to uh, challenge him? <laughs> um, I'm sure Bill Tormey would, uh, <laughs> would have a go. A Tormey presidency? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, possibly. If not now, when? Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. We'll give you a pass on that one. Yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, compiling a Rovers cabinet, right? so if we were to have a government out of the current Rovers team, right? so which... So we'll only ask you a couple, but if a current Rovers player was to be Minister for Justice, who gets the Minister for oh, Justice oh gig? David Mack. He's dealing out justice in the midfield. I'd say that'd be sort of like Chinese justice, though, yeah, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it'd be like that. What, uh, is Duarte, the Philippine president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about the Minister for Education? Is there anyone you think could kind of um, sort out the, catap- uh, the, the university system? Well, I don't know. I think, actually, whoever has that scheme where... Um, whoever came up with that scheme where Bulger, Bazuna and all the rest were doing their leaving, yeah. that is... That on a, on a serious note, that's actually brilliant because the amount of kids who, you know, I know plenty of teachers, but the amount of kids start getting trials and stuff, and suddenly think they're going to be the next Maradona or the next Niall Quinn or Duffer or whoever, and um, they just stop working in school. They think they're going to make it. Where this is, a, it's such a whoever came up with the education thing and the yeah. thing that's well worthwhile. Certainly, good one, um, Minister for Finance. Actually, Bradley. Bradley, if you read the thing recently with Marie Crow and he was talking about again how he flittered all his money away when he was a young fella and so he had a good advice to people to be prudent, etc. And finally, who is the Taoiseach of this Rovers cabinet? Uh, Lee Grace. Grace for Taoiseach. Well, I, I can get behind that one anyway. Um, and finally, actually, if you had to send a Rovers player into the Brexit negotiations, a Rovers player, past or present, so who would sort the Brits out? <laughs> Gary Drake, actually, probably. <laughs> uh, in that, you know, uh, uh, Jeannie. Uh, uh, oh, Pat Flynn, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I was going to say yeah, Padjo, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Padjo to Brussels, he'd sort yeah, the whole yeah, thing yeah. out. No, he would, he would, he would. He'd be, uh, I tell you, they'd be praying for a hard Brexit when Padjo yeah, was on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or Stephen Rice. Yeah. Stephen. Stephen Rice or, or going, going back Alan Byrne or one of the other tough lads that we had and so finally just a couple of predictions so who's going to win the league Dundalk who's going to win the World Cup Croatia oh interesting I like that yeah and um, VAR yes or no 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's actually it's the referees are shit. Far is good. It's, uh, no, no, it is because they, it's like if you can see something straight in front of you and you think it's not a foul, cause look, or it is a foul. It's uh, I suppose it's partially subjective to the viewer, but I liked it, and it's caused great fun. Have to say, I agree. So uh, that was Alan. Uh, yeah, great to hear Alan. Great to get his thoughts. Um, as I was saying earlier, great to to see Alan getting a bit of sort of recognition for all the work he puts into that um, the election literature side of things. Uh, interesting to hear his Rovers cabinet. Did you have any thoughts on that yourself, Prof? I was just looking at the rest of them here. Maybe ones that we we didn't mention. Uh, Minister for Health. I think I go Ron and Finn for that one. Finner for Health, you reckon? Yeah, because he is in proper shape. Well, he is actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was the easiest one. Minister for Culture, Heritage and the Grail Duct. It's got to be Kevin Horgan. Oh, absolutely. Who else? Yeah, he's got that one nailed down, doesn't he? Minister for Rural and Community Development. Greg Bulger. Greg Bulger. Solid, a, solid Wexford man. I think we'd, that would definitely count as uh, rural. Bit of a Wexford accent on him. So. <clears throat> yeah, we threw uh, Alan a couple of curveballs in there as well. Um, thought Pajo was a great show for the uh, the Brexit uh, negotiator. Yeah, he couldn't think of any fans to challenge Michael D. I think that's probably. I'm not sure if the electorate are quite ready for that anyway. So I think he probably probably uh, led him away without that one. I have one last selection. Uh, Minister for Foreign Affairs. It's got to be Tomer. Foreign Affairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Israeli Minister for Foreign Affairs. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll let that one. Uh, Didn't think of that. Let that one slide. <laughs> So that was your first uh, experience of the, the weird washroom on. Oh, yes. I, we interviewed you in the, the creepy stairwell. Creepy last stairwell, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that's, that's intimidating getting led into a creepy stairwell. Um, the washroom is definitely a step up. A lot of tea bags, no actual tea making facilities, but a lot of tea mm-hmm. bags. Um, so yeah, I thought Alan, Alan settled into his, uh, his zone very comfortably in there. That is our interview room. His, his choice of uh, favourite player was an unusual one Alan Byrne. Alan Byrne, yeah, well, he was a great player back in the day. Um, Not mentioned much, though, when we asked this question. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, he was, uh, Alan Byrne was a kind of a tough tackling central midfielder, from what I remember. I was pretty young back in those days, but um, one of the stars of that team, and then one of the lads who sort of left to go to Shells, mm-hmm. Byrne and Gagan went to go to Shells. They were poached mm-hmm. by... Uh, by uh, Ollie's millions, and uh, there was a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of ill feeling about that for a long, long time <laughs> afterwards. Um, but no, he was a he was a, a, a very uh, much loved player of that team, definitely. And uh, I mentioned this to, to Alan on Twitter that referendum we had recently on uh, abortion rights that fell on the same day as a derby between Shamrock Rovers and Bowes. So it must have been like Christmas morning for him. Oh, that's just, that's absolute heaven for Alan, isn't it? <laughs> you know, he can't believe he's got lucky with that. Uh, that's right, actually, there was a lot of uh, a lot of canvassers outside the stadium in the run-up to that, wasn't there? There was a kind of to run the gauntlet on the on the Whitestown way. Yeah. Alan, he doesn't collect football programmes, though, to the same extent. No, well, I'd say there's very little room in his house for anything. Yeah, that, that's his excuse. <laughs> There'd be no room left. But I'm the same, actually. I, I don't I like I've been buying them since I've been writing in them in hoop scene yeah. since 2011 but I've never made any genuine attempt to collect every Rovers program because I just couldn't face the horror of missing one like if yeah. I just decided right I'm going to get every Rovers program now and there was one in the 1991-92 season from November and I could never find it I couldn't just, I couldn't live you. with that it would just kill you yeah. that would keep me awake at night <clears throat> 
I'd say there's a lot of uh, a lot of program collectors at the club, aren't there? I went to the fair once. Uh, you know, I was down on Pierce Street to do the program sellers fair. The recent one was there on the um, the end of May. Oh, was it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Big. Uh, it's still a big issue. The future of the program, though, uh, in in football in general, there was a bit of discussion about. Really, wasn't there recently about like can the program survive the digital age? Mm. Be a big loss to the the match day experience, wasn't it? Well, in England, they actually just voted on whether or not clubs are obliged to produce programs anymore. And they voted no. <clears throat> so they're not they're not obliged to produce. No, so it's, right. it's now up to the clubs whether or not they want to produce a program for home games. Okay, interesting. And right. so, will the League of Ireland copy that model eventually? Yeah, I suppose you have to look at the the finances of it. I mean, obviously Robert puts in huge uh, work into, it and there's always quality in the program. So, um, yeah, long, long, uh, you know, hope hope it continues. Um, so the other big thing I suppose going on in world football at the moment aside from the League of Ireland um, is the World Cup um, I have to say I'm really enjoying this tournament are you? I don't understand the critics to be honest I think it's, it's brilliant it's been a fantastic tournament goals 1-0 all draw I think so far who was that between France Denmark oh yeah that was a dead rubber okay, yeah. me beating the prof on stats yeah. <laughs> tell you when Gary comes back it's your role I'm after next <laughs> Uh, but no, great tournament. A um, couple of shocks in, the, shocks in the group stages. Obviously, Germany going out was the was the big one. I reckon that's the the most shocking result I've seen in my lifetime. Germany going out. I mean, I've seen some. Like I remember Senegal beating France in the opener two thousand two. Yeah. Bulgaria beat Germany in ninety four. Yeah, South Korea, I know, beat Italy two thousand two. But I mean, the referee in that game was just. It was so dodgy. True, yeah. There was a lot of dodgy refs in that tournament, as I, I remember. <laughs> yeah. But this, this just came out of nowhere. I never expected Germany to win this World Cup, actually. But but they had a relatively easy group on paper. You would have thought that they'd at least get through to the quarters or semis or, or whatever. Um, and, and looking back to that Germany and Sweden game now, it's kind of mad to think about. Germany get this 96-minute winner to beat Sweden. And in the end, Germany are bottom of the group. Sweden are top yeah yeah you wouldn't it, think that watching that game no not at all, all. It, was, it was the group was upside down wasn't it um, the other interesting thing I suppose that this will be uh, maybe one that will be on table quizzes in years to come but um, Japan qualifying ahead of Senegal because they got two fewer yellow cards in the group that was a, a first I believe it's definitely a first what's your opinion on this I mean they had exhausted probably every well they were tied criteria. on points Matches won, goals scored, and then their head-to-head was a draw as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So I suppose it's probably, rather than flip a coin, it's probably the only way to do it, isn't it? I guess so. I saw someone suggest a penalty shootout, but I mean, what are you going to do? Like, just helicopter <laughs> Senegal over to the, the other stadium and have a shootout? Or yeah. I don't know how it would work. Maybe they could play FIFA online together or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very unusual note, and uh, yeah, I was a bit disappointed to be honest. I think probably most people probably would have preferred Senegal to go through, but anyway. Did you see the video of Senegal defending uh, a corner from Colombia? And the yes. defender is just having an old chill on well, the goal I mean, line. They talk about players falling asleep at corners. I think he literally did fall asleep, didn't he? I've, I've never seen that night that he had... He was just resting his elbow on the post. He was just chilling. He was in his own world. And even as it went in, he still didn't look bothered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he was just... He seemed lost. Wasn't he? he wasn't thinking about the game at all. I'm pretty sure he didn't know the ball was in the air <laughs> yeah. at the time. Yeah. He looked surprised. He looked. He turned. 
and the shot was already coming at him. I'd say he knew about it when the manager spoke to him <laughs> after the game anyway. Um, the other big thing, of course, was Messi and Ronaldo both going home on the same day. Um, mm-hmm. Ronaldo, prob- well, probably both expectantly, maybe. That France-Argentina game was fantastic, though, wasn't it? That <laughs> oh, was a builder. Don't cry 4-3 Argentina, as they're saying. What a, what a game. It's actually the only World Cup game in history to finish 4-3 in 90 minutes. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a, again, that's a, that's a worthy start. Um, Ronaldo getting a bit of stick for his goatee, though, do you notice? Well, I mean, I think I just put that in the long list of things to give Ronaldo a bit of stick over myself. But uh, I have to say now, I'm not the biggest fan. Definitely Team Messi over here. Reminds me of the the original Ronaldo. Remember in 2002, he just decided to have a moustache on his head. Has has a hairstyle trend ever died before it even got started? Yeah, that, like was, a, that. that was a very odd one Ronaldo did, didn't it? Um, yeah, thankfully that didn't catch on. Not seeing any young lads on the pitch at halftime with the with the old moustache on the head. Um, the France Argentina game, of course, Mbappe, uh, the 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 second most expensive player in football history, and who was just discovered uh, the other day apparently. But uh, he yeah. really had a cracker, didn't he? Yeah, he won the penalty initially because he just couldn't handle his pace at all. Yeah, and then. It was the two goals, wasn't it? Two quick fire goals. Two quick fire goals, and then he got, he got the assist for the penalty as well. Yeah, but just the pace of him was was frightening. The Argentina defense, mm-hmm. now fairness, the Argentina defense was kind of suspect, uh, but uh, he really destroyed them. I think it was, it was the turn for the third goal. It was so innovative, wasn't it? The way he just suddenly turned and was ahead of the defense. Yeah. In a split second. Yeah. It was so creative. It was. I saw amazing. a great photo of. Um, Mbappe when he was probably I don't know 12 or 13 which is only a few years ago in fairness but um, sitting on his bed and the whole room covered in posters of Ronaldo and uh, it's just amazing to think that you know on the day he really announces himself on the world stage that Ronaldo was sent back in from the same <laughs> tournament it's just funny how, how these yeah. things happen um, yeah Uruguay getting the better of, uh, of, of Portugal and then of course the other big shock as we sit here on Sunday evening is uh, Spain going home did you see that coming? Well, I didn't expect Spain to go that far at all, to be honest. Mm. I thought they wasn't that impressed by him. But for Russia to beat them, no, I didn't expect that. People had written off Russia before this tournament even started. I don't know why. The hosts always do something, don't they? Yeah. I mean, aside from South Africa, every host has reached the last 16 and looked decent. They've been competitive. Yeah, And of course, Russia, uh, you know running faster and, and harder than the mm. team as well so that's all very By that's all very normal all completely legal not at all uh, anything that, that that's probably worthy mm. of comment um, but on the, just go back to the France game for one second aside from Mbappe goal of the match Pavard oh yeah he hit that well didn't he that's the best you, right back goal since Pat Sullivan I think <laughs> did you see the slow-mo angle from the right right from behind where yeah. he hit it yeah the spin on the ball. I think my favourite thing about that goal was that he actually turned to celebrate before it went in. Yeah. And I love when a player does that, especially when it's a curler at the outside of the foot, <laughs> which has no, uh, you know, you'd never expect it to go in. Outrageous uh, goal. And Jerry Canning captured the goal perfectly. What did he say? The right technique to boot it home unceremoniously. Unceremoniously, well. I don't know about that. If ever there was a ga commentary (laughs) on a classic football goal, 
that was it. Who, um, speaking of pundits and commentators, who who's your uh, favourites, your least favourites? Um, well, Brian Kerr, favourite commentator. We had our own little uh, tribute to him yeah. on last week's show. We called out all his quotes. Because he's not just... I think Roy Keane has become a kind of a a soundbite machine. He's become he's very cartoonish. Whereas Kerr, he's saying funny things, but he's backing it up with a really good analysis. And he's genuinely interested in all these games. He's very knowledgeable as well. About Absolutely, he's, yeah. he's not bluffing. He knows he knows his stuff. I find it very painful to listen to uh, Ronnie Whelan and uh, Ray Houghton. I think Ronnie, though, for me, he sounds... He sounds like an Irishman putting on an English accent. I find it very hard to take him seriously as that that's his voice. Uh, and obviously he's lived yeah. over there a long time, but he just sounds like someone imitating a match of the day commentator. I know what you mean, yeah. And but, I mean, let's face it, he wasn't even the best <laughs> Whelan brother, you know? Paul Whelan. There's a man now you'd want commentating uh, commentating the World Cup games. Ray Helton just he spends the whole game telling you what everyone should have done. Yeah. There's not real much analysis there. It's just, oh, he, he should have done better. He should have scored that. Should have put that away. Shouldn't have straight offside there. Well, I mean, the one I absolutely just can't tolerate at all is Mark Lawrenson. I don't know how Mark Lawrenson continues to have to, to paid employment uh, in the sport. He is the classic bloke in your office who thinks he's hilarious and every time he speaks people just have their head in their hands you know rolling their eyes HR reports left right and centre he is the least funny man and he thinks he is hilarious he's got a fully paid holiday to these places every two years and he sounds like he's he's being tortured in Iraq or something yeah well I mean far be it to me to say I wish he was but you know uh, and to get him off the TV in my opinion um and the Uruguay and Portugal game, uh, I actually didn't see that game. And I had a quite bizarre reason for missing it. What was that now? I was supposed to meet a friend in town to watch it. So we said, right, we'll see you at 7 o'clock. And uh, so we were just texting him beforehand while I was on the bus. Then he just sort of dropped off for about 20 minutes. No answer from him. And then he called me. I was like, yeah, I'm just after collapsing there. So he got off the bus in Rap Mines and he collapsed from the heat. Sunstroke? Apparently. And he said, yeah, could you just walk up to Rap Mines there? I'm the one surrounded by people on the ground. So that was pretty easy to spot them. And I walked up, there he was, surrounded by five people, chatting away to him. He's on the ground. And uh, waiting for the ambulance to be called. And... So the ambulance comes and the paramedics chat to him and he does have a, he did have a bad cut in his head, but, and he was sorry, he was disoriented, dizzy, but not not worried enough to go to, yeah, to the ER. So thankfully he was okay in that sense. He was he was shook up. I ended up walking with him back to his friend's house in, oh, we got some food, and then we walked back to Ramla, and he stayed there. And by the time all this happened. Uruguay game had ended, so I never saw the game. That's well. That's a that's a highly unusual reason. What did the uh, did the paramedics call call VAR or anything to find out what had happened to him? Uh, no, no VAR. No, no VAR. Well, important thing is no one died. Well, well, indeed, yeah, and uh, probably you as well. You didn't bring him to the pub after collapsing of uh, you know sunstroke. Maybe a, a nice 
90 minutes sipping points probably wouldn't have been the best idea. He was tempted to do, but he could barely even get a burger down or water down, so yeah. he just gave up. Yeah. Well, rehydrating is very important, obviously. That's why mm-hmm. uh, that's why I spent nine hours in the pub yesterday watching those <laughs> games. Um, but oh, I hope, he, hope your mate's okay after that. He doesn't miss any more, uh, any more games. Yeah. Shout out to Gavin if you're listening, which, which he doesn't. <laughs> And speaking of VAR, actually, I know you had a little discussion about that before, but uh, what's your thoughts on VAR? It's causing a lot of controversy, isn't it? Yeah, me and Gary talked about it a bit last week. I spoke about how it has been winning me over because it got so many decisions right in a row. But then it kind of annoyed me when you'd have these really close calls. I'm, I'm thinking, like, why have we stopped the game for three minutes on a call where I don't really care? Yeah, the what ref, the ref thinks the ref about it call, not like, yeah. just let him make the call yeah. there was the Paulson one for Denmark where I thought okay the shot was going on goal and his arm was kind of outstretched okay you can give a penalty for that and then there was one a few days later where it was a kind of a crappy cross came in and his arm was barely up at all and he hits his arm and the ref goes to the VAR and he actually watches the replay in some motion and he says yeah that's a penalty I just just pulled my hair out. Yeah. Yeah, I think by and large it's I quite like it. I know a lot of fans really, really don't. Um but as you say, I think it's it's called penalties that refs have missed and it's uh reversed penalties that refs have mistakenly given. The Neymar one was glorious. Well I mean anything that, that, that uh you know impinges Neymar is worth investing in, I think, you know. Uh not not a lad you warm to, Neymar. No. I don't even the Brazilians warm to Neymar too much. Uh, but very good tournament so far, and um, you, you, you're pretty happy with Verda. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as I said, anything that you know, there's a lot riding on these games, um, and you know, that's the thing I love about the World Cup because <clears throat> you know, people go on about international football losing some of its pull and all that, and that probably is true. But you know, there's nothing bigger than the World Cup. Every player is desperate to win every game. Um, you know, every everything, every tackle is is full blooded. You know, every every game is 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 competitive. So um, I think anything that helps the refs make the right calls. Um, but I think what they need to do is put a bit of rules around it, so as refs know when to use it and when not to. And I think it was the Portugal Iran game. The ref was maybe a bit weak uh, on that and went to VAR a couple of times where where he probably shouldn't have. Mm. Um, but overall, I mean, I. I was saying someone, you know, we should have VAR in the League of Ireland, you know, but the, the refs have to wait till Monday at 7 o'clock to watch the replay, you know. Uh, that's when we, when we find out they've made the wrong call. Well, I listed my two biggest gripes of VAR, and that's, it's a massive risk of losing the emotional immediacy of celebrating a goal. Yeah. If we're going to go to VAR every time we score a goal, that could condition fans to kind of temper their joy a bit, which yeah. would be a disaster for yeah. football. And secondly, this is never going to be seen in the League of Ireland. No, no. Absolutely never. Uh, so I reckon this is actually going to create more resentment from fans to referees. We'll be, we'll be in the stands drawing the VAR sign to no avail. So that's my two biggest gripes. But I have to say it has been quite successful in terms of the speed of it. Yeah. And it's gotten a lot of the penalty decisions right. Got a few I thought terribly wrong. It has, and I think any you know that shot of the five referees in full gear sitting in the room watching telly never gets old either. You know, so full kit wankers, full kit wankers, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes, and listen. Hopefully, the rest of the tournament, uh, you know, continues in the same sort of attacking vein. Lots of goals everywhere, and real chance there's going to be a new name on the trophy this year as well, which I think uh, you know is always something that that uh, is welcome. We're guaranteed a surprise semi-finalist because one of Sweden, Switzerland, Colombia, and England are going to be in the semi-finals. Sweden only one semi-finals semi-final appearance since. Brazil beat them in the final in, I think, 1962. Uh, England only won semi-final appearance since they won it, and that was in 1990. Switzerland never. Colombia never. Yeah. So that is that is a shock semi-finalist. Yeah, it is, yeah, and it's great to see that kind of stuff. I mean, we've had, what, Turkey, Sweden, uh, Bulgaria reached the semis, I think, didn't they, in 1994, yeah. sorry. Uh, yeah, I think everyone always likes seeing those kind of things. And um, Croatia '98, Croatia '98, and they're yeah. they're they're potentially worth. Davor Suger, yeah. Unless of course they've been knocked out by the time this airs, in which case we're going to look pretty foolish. But anyway, <laughs> so back to Rovers. Um, the court game coming up. So now it's time for our starting eleven and predictions. <laughs> so do you want to? Uh, Kick us off with who do you think will who do you think will play and how we get on? Well, the big one is we mentioned earlier who's going to play in goal. Uh, unless Manus plays in the senior cup, this could be his his debut, his second debut. Funny enough, Manus's first debut was at home to Dundalk in two thousand nine. Was it? So it'd be a funny coincidence if he yeah, played on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Also at home to Dundalk. Yeah. So for me, Manus in goal, and I'm going back to the centre back pairing of Joey O'Brien and Lee Grace. Sean Cavanagh left back, Ethan Boyle right back. I'm going to need midfield to last because that's always the hard part. Finn behind uh, Danny Kerr. Mm-hmm. Right, Castrain has to play. Has to play. Davy Mack, Brandon Cavanagh. Bone or which bone or bone, two bulgers? Bone, yeah, bone. Yeah, I think that's probably a good uh, good shout. How how do you think we'll get on with that eleven? Um. Massive game to start Brandon Cabin in, but yeah. he's he looks so impressive. I want to see him in a big game. I want to see how he does against uh, a top side. Absolutely, yeah. I think he got Davy Mack in there, tying up the loose balls and all that good work he does. And hopefully Carr can nick a goal. Mm. He got one in the dock, and I could see us getting the draw at least. Yeah, I th- I think you're probably right. Um, I mean, I wonder, Greg Bulger's back from suspension. Um, mm. You know, playing him against Cork, there might be a bit of history there. Might be might be worth playing him. I think he did play well in the home win over them. Yeah. yeah. So you could be right there. Um, Aaron Bulger, I always think is worthy of a place in the team. Big fan of Aaron Bulger, but then it goes back into how do you fit all these five or six centre midfielders we have into one team. But... Um, yeah, I think I'd uh, I think I'd go with your team, with maybe the exception of possibly Bulger for, Bulger for Bowen, but it's a it's a tough call that one. Uh, but I think you're right. I think we can we can go there with a bit of confidence, and uh, I think we're definitely worthy of a of a draw at least. Three wins in a row with clean sheets. We've lost. I think we lost a few in a row out there, and I haven't looked it up, but we lost one nil earlier this season, four one last year, three nil the year before that. So they're they're the games under Bradley. At Turner's Cross. Yeah. Lost all three. If you look at our wins since 2002, we won down there in 2002. We only won twice. 
since then. And that was 2012 under Kenny and 2013 under Crawley. So not a happy hunting ground for us. Not happy at all. So well, well, definitely time to, to break that hoodoo, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Prediction? So yeah, uh, I'm going to go for 1-0. One 1-0. All. One all. Yeah, I'm just saying. 1-0. We take we take that now, wouldn't we? We've also, of course, got the Leinster Senior Cup quarter final at home to Dundalk on Monday. Um, reduced ticket prices prices of a tenner, uh, and the World Cup is on the TV in the bar too. So, mm-hmm. uh, get a bit of both. Are you a Leinster Senior Cup man yourself? I am indeed. I'm not happy with you, actually, Mister no. Rice. Disrespect in the Leinster Senior Cup, the oldest cup competition in the Republic of Ireland. It is. I mean, I I told Prof off off. Uh, off microphone here that I, I don't I don't uh, recognise the Leicester Senior Cup. I just it's I suppose it's not that I, I mean I understand why people want to go and watch the hoops and all that. I just I just think life is probably a little bit too short for the Leicester Senior Cup myself. Um, but you know, full respect to anyone who wants to go and watch it. Uh, but probably won't be me. I'll probably be watching the World Cup myself. Well, what I don't like is the mixing and matching of when it becomes important. Like for example, oh, I'm consistent in that. I don't go to finals either. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the players. Like we played our 19s in the first round against Moctis. So it would just be kind of strange now not to keep playing the kids. Yeah. To suddenly play Manus and McAllister and Gilchrist and whoever needs a game. Yeah. And then we get to the final and say we win it. Do we have to pretend to be happy then? Like I remember Ken, Ken O'Man lifting the trophy in, in 2012. Yeah. The only trophy we won under Stephen Genny. And he looked embarrassed, Yeah, if anything. But when Bowles won it uh, two years ago, they hadn't won a trophy in uh, seven years. So there's a picture of them celebrating, the champagne's popped, everything. And I'm like, when did you decide that was worthy of celebration? Not in the fourth round. They might tell you where the club is, though, in terms of celebrating (laughs) something like that. I know what you mean. I mean, I think it's a good opportunity mostly to play the young lads. I think the likes of Sean Boyd, you know, maybe this is where he gets his goal. Um, so, yeah, and listen, there's enough good young lads there that in fairness are worth going along to see. Maybe you've turned me, maybe I will go and start watching the Leinster Senior Cup games. Actually, think back now, it was impressive that uh, like that's, that mocked this team were like a good quality Leinster Senior League side. Yeah. And their 19s bossed them around yeah. for a lot of it. Yeah. So, I think the managers come to an agreement, don't they, with these sort of games. I remember when we played Pats, when uh, we had Stephen Kenny here. I think they kind of come to each other and say, right, I'm going to play six kids play and the youths. five reserves. So, I wouldn't expect a total mismatch. I wouldn't expect our 19s and on Doc's second string yeah. to face off. Yeah. You think there'd be more, there'd be, there'd be a gentleman's agreement in there somewhere? I'd imagine so, yeah. Yeah. And um, speaking of games that I won't be at, uh, I have to say I will not be at the Celtic game. Nor will I. No, is this a is this a, a, a fixture clash or is this a personal preference? I have no interest whatsoever. I didn't go last year. Yeah, I think this is a real tough. One. I didn't go last year either. Now, um, I think it's a really tough one for the club. I totally see why they do it. Um, in terms of it's a great money spinner, but I do think that you do have to weigh up money versus complete humiliation of the brand and of the club um, and I think last year it was a humiliation it was a 9-0 I think mm-hmm. um, you know that gets reported as Celtic beating Shamrock Rovers 9-0 uh, 
uh, I think it does does damage to the club when that happens. Um, I'd love to see, presumably, there's some sort of reason why they can't do it, but I'd love to see it being advertised as a Shamrock Rovers eleven, um, rather than Shamrock Rovers, because you do hear it come up in conversation with, you know, bar stoolers or people in work or whatever that oh, sure, Jesus, Celtic thumped you nine nil, and you're like, yeah, but that was our under seventeens playing, you know. And do you remember our back four that day? We had a Dutch defender who was hopeless. We had like a Cottonstown trialist. We had a an under seventeens, under nineteens defender as well. I mean, that was our back four against the Scottish treble winners. Of course, it was yeah. nine 0 Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't do young lads any favors at all playing in games like that. But as I said, I totally understand why the club do it. But it's absolutely not for me. <laughs> I will not. I, it would be so far down the list of things I will be doing next Saturday. It doesn't feel like a. It doesn't feel like my team are even playing this game. It feels like this is a chance for Irish people who like Celtic to go and see the Celtic show. It just happens to be taking place in the ground that the team I follow yeah. play in. It doesn't even feel like a Rovers game to me. No, because no. how many Rovers fans will be even at the game? A very small minority compared to just... Irish Celtic fans yeah exactly Yeah, exactly. And presumably I mean a lot of Rovers fans follow Celtic as well and presumably it's a good occasion for them as well to I don't know meet some of the lads from Glasgow and all that but um, another <coughs> question mark was the the price hike compared to last year yes it's 30 euro but uh, the West End has sold out so from a business point of view I guess it was the right decision it is and that's always the argument as well that you know anyone who wants to pay into that fleece them basically you know yeah. um, but I I would have serious concerns about the damage the club it's doing and um, people on the outside just see that as Shamrock always getting thumped 9-0 and when they see that they're not going to go to games and so all your nice promotions around nothing beats being there and all that you know ultimately if people don't think the games have credibility um, and people who don't understand that this isn't their first team um, so yeah I just listen as I said understand why the club do it but you know I, I just have question marks about the, the, the value of it yeah 100% on the Shamrock was 11 I think we, we did change it to 11 like a few days before the game on the sly and I think this year I don't know if that will happen again I suppose it's striking some sort of balance between will we sell enough t- tickets if it says XI after our name here yeah but I think you know you're selling tickets on the back of Celtic. I know. know so um, I don't think that's going to damage it. I wonder maybe there's some sort of contractual reason or something. I don't know that it has to be advertised to the Shamrock Rovers. But um, yeah, hopefully yeah. it's not as bad as last year. Anyway, <laughs> might even uh, equal the record: ten nil against Duke of Prague in '61. Uh, Is that the record? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go, Celtic. There's something to aim for. Um, and of course, speaking of proper big games coming up, uh, the European game is coming up. And uh, congratulations to Ian Tracy, the winner of the top prize in Friday night's Euro draw. Um, so Alan Manis pulled out his ticket and Ian won himself a trip for two people to Stockholm to watch the hoops in action. And that prize includes flights, transfers, accommodation and match tickets. So that's a really great prize. Hey, jealous. I am a little bit. Um, I was in Stockholm with the misfortune in some ways of being at the uh, Europa League final with Man United against Ajax. Uh, we bought tickets, it just happened to be those two teams. Great city, 
uh, unbelievably dire football game. <laughs> but uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully Rovers put on a better show than Jose's United did. I'm sure he will. But a fantastic uh, city, and you know, I'm sure uh, it'll be. A, it's a very tough draw for Rovers, obviously. But um, you know, people enjoy the trip. I think. Yeah, I can't wait to go. As I said last year in Iceland, like I'm never missing this again. Yeah, yeah. Like it was my first. I, I'd been to White Hart Lane. But I hadn't done like a proper European away. Yeah. And once I did it, I just thought, no, never missing this again. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Crack the trips. All right. Um, tickets for the home game are available now at the club shop and online. And in fact, there was a healthy queue uh, outside the mm-hmm. the shop for tickets there uh, after the Derry game. So that was good to see. And tickets are 15 euro, not 28 euro, like Derry are charging. 28? Yep. Really? What's that owner? I don't know. We Very were, random figure to pick out, isn't it? Well, that's conversion from oh, Sterling. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, interesting. They well. played at their home game in the showgrounds last year, so you'd assume that was to cover the costs of uh, playing in the ground. But this year they're back in the Brandywell. Yeah. So why is the price so high again? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's not good to see. Now, happy Rovers have kept the prices uh, as 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 they are. But uh, yeah, big few weeks ahead for the club on that front. Um, so that's it for today. That's everything uh, we had. Um, been a real honour to to guest host the show. Uh, How was the experience? I enjoyed it. You know, hope I passed the audition. Um, no, it was good. Big big boots to fill in, and uh, and uh, don't worry, Gary will be back in action. Uh, well, is he back next week, or is there another guest next week? We have to find a different guest host next week. It's a different the, guest. I'm struggling for options because I've been many, fired already. Have I? Yeah. Well, not many people are going to Cork. True. True. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's going to Cork and fancies sitting behind a microphone for an hour and a half uh, after that, uh, get in touch. you got a behind-the-scenes look at how uh, Tales from the East End is produced. Indeed. Every week. Yeah, well, professional as ever, I have to say, uh, yourself and Gary put huge amounts of work into it. So, uh, hats off for that. And uh, always a good listen. Hopefully people enjoyed uh, today's show as well. So, uh, we play Cork, Fortins, United, Athletic, Bohemian, Celtic, Hibs, Forest City on Friday. So, everyone enjoy that and keep on hooping. See you.